This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, back to the field. Bases loaded. The pitch for Yachty. Here it comes. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. Swings and hits it deep. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. It's a grand Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. And welcome into another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amarin in Jupiter, Florida. Chris Raby alongside Mike Claiborne. Claibs, it is our first edition of the program from spring training. Cardinals pitchers and catchers reporting yesterday. First official workouts today and uh, just a handful of days away from the full squad getting on the field. But today marked Mike Schilt's first day of spring training as the Cardinals manager. Yeah, it was a good day. Um, I think anytime you can start your career as a manager, because there's so few jobs, no matter what the weather's like, you got that first day under your belt. You know, I think that the common word we've heard or the common thing we've heard about Schilt from uh, other guys around baseball clubs, from, from his players, is his communication. That'll be a theme throughout this camp. We'll talk to uh, Mike, about that coming up, I uh, will tell you our guest list here in just a moment. But communication already, I think you're seeing, whether it's out on the field or in the clubhouse or in the hallways when it's raining. I mean, that's kind of, I think, going to be something that stands out this spring. Well, I, I think you're right. And, and here's why I think communication is important. You have a lot of young players who don't know. And I'll give you a good example. Last year, Jordan Hicks was a guy who didn't know anyone on the team because he wasn't in AAA. He wasn't in AA with any of these guys. So people thought he was somewhat aloof. He just didn't know. He didn't know how things worked on a, on a big league level. And I think one of the things they want to do is make sure everybody's on the same page from how you button your uniform to how you conduct yourself. And I think this is big for Mike Schilt, where everybody feels like this is our playbook and this is what we're going to go with. Yeah, we've got the manager, Mike Schilt, coming up in our next segment. Also this hour, Colton Wong and Cardinals Hall of Fame nominee Jason Isringhouse. In hour two, Kyle McClellan will join us. We'll also sit down with Alex Reyes and Andrew Miller, plus a visit with Dan Farrell. So all of that coming up on uh, our first Jupiter edition of the program. Uh, let's start with a little bit about what we actually saw today, Claves, and that was a little bit of weather that didn't cooperate. However, there was a window for the Cardinals to get out onto the field for workouts. We saw some bullpens. We'll chat with Alex Reyes later, but great to see Alex right now on schedule and throwing a bullpen along with the rest of the club. Yeah, it really is, and you know, once again, here we go with anticipation of somebody we want to see. I mean, the flashes that we've seen of him have been dynamic. And I think now that he has a, a more mature mindset, not to say he was immature, I thought he was well ahead of the curve, but the rehab and you think and you do this and you do that. And I think we've seen a physical transformation over the last couple of years as far as how he looks. 
So he's at the top of my list as far as guys I actually want to see work. Uh, and there's some other guys obviously we'll talk to over the course of time. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do because, Chris, I don't know whether you know this or not, we, we got a lot of pitchers on this ball club who have big league experience and competition for a spot either in the rotation or the bullpen, I think is at an all-time high. Yeah, we'll chat with Andrew Miller coming up as well. Man, it looks great to see. He's got a job. Andrew Miller. He, he's in, yeah. He's, he, is a, he is a big, big guy. Adam Wainwright, a big guy as well. Uh, he held court a little bit today, Klebs, after uh, the first day of workouts. And, you know, I, I think about Adam and his impact. And, you know, last year everyone said, I, I won't count Adam out. I won't count Adam out. And – that being, you know, his teammates, the staff, Mike Matheny to Mike Schilt. And, you know, there was a period of time, Klebs, Adam admitted to us, uh, you know, in a conversation with him a month or so ago before winter warm-up that he wasn't sure he was going to pitch again. Not only did he pitch, he pitched one of the biggest games of the year for the Cardinals, that Sunday night game against the Dodgers, to keep them in the playoff race. And, you know, you talk about setting a tone, Klebs. You talk about leaders the first couple of days of camp communication Adam Wainwright right there with the best of them yeah, there's no doubt and I, I I don't know if we have a guy who enjoys that more than he does uh some guys kind of shy away from it Adam raises his hand says combat bring it on I, I love it and he loves that that situation and I think other people feed off of it because they know they can trust him with the ball I think as you look around baseball one of the common themes and common topics is the number of players that are still unsigned, the number of free agents that are out there, and maybe what teams aren't doing as much as what teams are doing. <clears throat> Surprised up and down the division that we still haven't seen more activity outside yeah. of, I guess, the Grandal signing with Milwaukee and outside of the Reds being fairly aggressive. We haven't really seen anything else. Some teams like the Cubs have even gone so far as to say don't expect anything else because this is kind of who we are because of our limitations. I'm surprised in one sense, and then again I'm not, because this division has a lot of good talent, a lot of young talent. And there are very few positions I think teams can make themselves better at uh, compared to what's on the free agent market. Now, with that said, there's still some good players. How Adam Jones doesn't have a job. And I consider Adam Jones one of the five best center fielders in the game, period. There's something there's something wrong here because he should be playing. But when you look in this division, for the teams that you expect to compete, and it's the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Brewers, I don't know if you're going to see much of a change because they're pretty solid. Oh, yeah. Cincinnati has made themselves a player. I think they're pitcher short, but they're going to have a say-so in this. And then there's Pittsburgh who's just trying to – rebuild on the fly and try and compete. But you know what? They play the Cardinals tough, and they play everybody in the division tough. So I don't poo-poo them as if they were the uh, National League Central's version of the Baltimore Orioles who are going no place fast. You, you know what's crazy with this division? You look at either odds or you look at various projection models, whether it be Baseball America or fan graphs. A lot of the analytical information claims points to – Every team in the Central being 500 or better. Yeah. How, how incredible would that I can be? be? Well, I, again, I think you have the potential to see both wild cards come out of this division. Oh, sure. But but to have all the teams at 500 or better, that, that's remarkable. I don't know if that's ever happened, has it? That's what I'm wondering. That would be remarkable. I mean, you know, whenever you no look at a division, games. whenever you look at a division, you say, well, there's 
they're not going to be very good no matter what. But man, I don't know if you can say that about this division. And and I think what you have to be careful of is how many wins is it going to take to win the division? How many wins is it going to take to get in the, into a wild card situation? So what it means, are, you're going to step out of the division. All, are, and, and, are you going all the way to 90 until you feel good? Like it, right now, if you had to pick a number. I think I got to go 92. And, and so sledding, what this man. means that the also rans in the in the National League, and when you look around, you don't have that many. That means you got to sweep the Miamis. That means you have to beat up on whoever the worst team Padres. in the West is. Yeah, and I don't think well, that's going to be easy. Year, yeah, who knows? I don't think either one of those teams are going to be pushovers. But I think the National League is just going to be really good. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think the American League has got some holes in it. I think the American Royals, League's, White Sox. Mariners, well, teams that are tearing it down and, yeah. and rebuilding outside of the Marlins, you don't really have that in the NL. Even like the Padres and, and Giants have been connected to Bryce Harper, you know. Uh, yeah, and I would, and you know what, they both had. Well, the Padres, in my opinion, are better off than the Giants as far as talent. And the Padres spent money. They last did. Year too yeah. on Eric Hosmer. And, and and you know what, they were a better team. I, I think the Giants are just short on internal talent. And at that point, some bad money. Yeah, bad money, and they don't really have a deep farm system. Oh, you don't like the Mark Melanson deal? Well, I know I'm not excited about it. I'm sure there's a few million Giant fans that Mark, don't think Mark Melanson likes it. You know, it. it was a nice deal on the surface, oh, but great. you know what? It just goes to show yeah. you that the length is what you look at yeah. more than anything else. So let me run this by you because it seems like the owners, would li- they don't mind paying players. But they don't mind. They do mind paying players lengthy contracts. Yeah, I've always felt, and now I'm not a player. I think the three year deal is ideal for both sides, because a you're going to be good one year, you're going to be bad a year, and then you're going to be somewhere in between on the third. And if you're really good, you get out of line and go right back again and get paid. Well, the way players want their opt-outs now, they almost want like a series of one-year deals. Exactly. Yeah, but, but if you notice, a I, lot of these opt-outs are two years sure, or sure. maybe three. But but I agree 100%, and I would rather – easy easy for us to say because yeah. I'm checking my online banking before I go to Starbucks. <laughs> but, you know, I would rather overpay in dollars than in years. And I agree. I would rather give a – three-year, $60 million contract than a, you know, five-year, $80 million contract. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And so, I think we're we're going in that direction. Now, the players will have a, a legitimate argument, I think. But I think I, I think my argument would win. Yeah, I, I am really eager to see how this progresses over the course of the spring. And, you know, we saw some mixed results last year. We saw guys like Greg Holland who, who didn't go to spring training and then really struggled. We saw other guys who, you know, found their way with teams and, and had a lot of success. So, uh, so eager to see what not just Bryce Harper and Manny Machado do, but but all the way down. All right, so that's all coming up on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Again, get a visit with Mike Schilt next. Then we'll chat with Colton Wong, Jason Isringhausen, Kyle McClellan, Alex Reyes, Andrew Miller, all coming up in Hour 2. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. We are at Cardinals Spring Training in Jupiter, Florida. Ben Boyd is our executive producer. Sam Masterson down here in Florida with us as well. Mike Anderson is back in our network studios. And Carol, of course, helps us out on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. 
Well, maybe a soggy first day, but first day nonetheless. And Cardinals manager Mike Schilt joins us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. You know, Adam Wainwright said, uh, Skip, uh, maybe a perfect first day because you get out, play a little catch, rain comes in, come back inside. How uh, was the first day for you despite the weather? Yeah, I thought it was great. You know, we were able to get uh, the high majority of things we wanted to get accomplished today in, and um, we were able to, you know, be thorough with it and, and take a deeper dive into into the non-thrower side of it. But, um, you know, the guys that were throwing their bullpens today got their work in, and um, then the guys that, you know, were going to throw their bullpen tomorrow, they were able to get some, some work in as well. So it was a positive day. You, you mentioned earlier today, 41 days. And it's interesting because with this great dearth of pitching that you have, innings are going to be important, pitches are going to be important, and guys need to take advantage early just to be seen. That's right. Yeah, that's a good point, Claves. You know, we'll – um, starting the process, we've got plenty of pitching. Games are coming up in, you know, about 10 days or so, and we've we've got 31 of those, including the Memphis game, and and um, so yeah, we we uh, have a lot of guys. Great word, dearth. dearth. That's a big league word right there. They don't use it in the dugout very often, but maybe in the manager's office from time to time. Well, no, I think it could play in certain part, okay. certain parts of it. Hey, look, I was I was scratching my head for a second there, but yeah, we do have a dearth of pitching, and uh, it's a nice it's a nice uh, nice problem to not a problem nice 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 uh, that we have it. I know the last time we talked, Mike, you and your staff had been down in Florida. Uh, here for the uh, instructional camp and also some meetings. You're back for winter warm-up. Describe to fans that can't see it just the amount of preparation, the hours that goes into not just the first day, but what you guys embarked upon today and will undertake over the next seven weeks. Yeah, people ask, you know, you know excited or nervous about today, and excited is definitely the word. Um, but, you know, I, I really can't <laughs> – be more appreciative of the field staff and the support staff and um, and the players, you know, and the collaboration and communication. You know, clearly we want to be mindful and respectful of people's off-seasons and, and know that's important and valuable and time to reconnect and spend time with family and friends. But, um, you know, as far as painting a picture of it, it was it was uh, just had a nice flow to it. There was some intentionality. Um, we met physically with parts, if not all, of our staff. You know, once a month, October, November, December, January, and obviously we're here now. And then, you know, we, uh, you know, we were pretty sincere about how we communicated and, and had a great, nice flow of what that communication looked like. And it was, it was appropriate but steady. And with the amount of guys that have been here or are here, even outside of the pitchers and catchers, how would you describe the enthusiasm or, or the spirit already, despite the fact that it's just February 13th? It's a hungry group. It's a motivated group, um, and it, it's a group that's already enjoying themselves and, and uh, just continuing to, to build off a momentum from last year. And um, you know, we got some additions that are fitting in seamlessly. And you know, it's a group that enjoys each other. And like I say, it's just hungry to continue to grow and improve. And, and looking forward to you know being our best version of ourselves to compete. One of the words we heard a lot during the year, communication, and I know you've been big on it from the day you took the job. Is that the trend that we're going to see more of? Because at this level, the big league level, everybody should know what page to be on. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to take it for granted that some guys don't pay attention, some guys aren't sure. But in your case, you want to make sure you tie that button up quick. Yeah, communication is the key. You know, it's um, – it's organization, communication, and execution. And, and without 
organization and communication. I don't know if any entity, whether it be in a in a baseball setting or a business setting or in a in any any you know type setting in life, that you know if you don't have those things, you're not going to be successful. Or if you are, just it's it's going to be hard to really sustain it. So, um, you know, communication is vital. It's most importantly that we're all synced up. We're all meaning, you know, the staff and the players, and we're working together, and everybody has appreciation and, a, and a openness. And thing that, that I've been probably the most pleased with is is the openness factor and the ability to share thoughts, you know, to a player, player being comfortable to share back to us. You know, we don't, we don't have to agree with each other. We just have to understand where we're going and and then figure out a way how we're going to best get there. Something as, as simple as the ball talk that, that you implemented last season, a lot of the guys have already mentioned that this year. as something that they found themselves thinking about or, or talking about this off season. When you walk through the clubhouse and you see or I see or I overhear guys talking about baseball or talking about a grip or, or talking about the way they were playing catch, mm-hmm. how do you think that positively impacts a club and, and impacts a club starting in February? Oh, that's huge. You know, the ability to – you know, we've got so many wonderful experiences in this clubhouse. Um, and one of the things I mentioned today and believe sincerely, otherwise I wouldn't have mentioned it, is um, how the communication with the players is important with each other, sharing, talking, growing um, quite candidly. And this isn't to under, undermine or um, belittle my or the staff's role in the communication with the players, but the fact of the matter is guys are going to learn as much or more from each other Um and relate with what they're dealing with than they will the staff. And again, that's not to minimize our staff and not to say we don't have an important role because clearly we do in, in teaching and growing and, and, and um, educating and developing our players. But but uh, that ability to communicate and talk and, and share their thoughts in the game and uh, the nuances of the game is, is um, it's really a big competitive edge. Final question for me first day of spring training is now under your belt as the manager of the Cardinals. Will you have a chance to decompress and reflect on that a little bit? You know, I probably should. Clay is one of the things that, um, and you help me with that. I'll be more intentional tonight. You know, we, um, you know, we have a, some things inside we talk about as some of our, a little bit of our pillars and that'll, that'll remain in house. But, um, you know, one of them's just to celebrate, you know, and clearly we want to celebrate is when in the last game of the season, but, um, in the playoffs, but you know we got to celebrate the days that go well and appreciate things when they go well, and, and not be afraid to you know continue to stop and smell the roses a little bit and um, be grateful for what the day you have. So um, yeah, maybe I'll take a quick minute and do that, but we, well, then we move on. But, but think about this. Think about all. I, I thought he was going to say, well, you inter- you uh, interrupted my lunch, so, so there's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> but think about going back to where you first decided this is something you wanted to do from lining the fields or dragging the fields and all the other things you've done as a coach and as a manager at different levels to actually think about. I just finished my first job, my first day, having my first spring training as a big league manager. I think there's something to be said for that. There is, and I, I, um, I'm grateful for it, obviously, in general, but specifically with this organization, with the Cardinals. So I'll, uh, I'll take the moment to reflect. Thank you. And finally, do you have a, a message for – for Cardinal fans, Micah, I know this is just always such an exciting time of year, and whether it's us talking on the radio or, or folks, you know, glued to every single spring training game, I know that 
probably no one more than you appreciates the fan base and the passion. So uh, as you get ramped up, what's you and, and your club's message to fans right now? Yeah, just know we we um, one of the things that motivate us is to is to reward the loyalty and the um, love and passion that that the fan base gives us. Um, and also know that we've uh, we're dotting our eyes and crossing our T's and. I can easily say that to you, Glaves and Chris, but the reality is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna prove it. Well, as long as we can maybe get a spot on the spreadsheet tomorrow for the forecast and get it to cooperate <laughs> and be where it needs to be, uh, Mike. Thanks so much. Congrats on a on a great first day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, guys. Don't strike out with your Valentine this year. Treat your sweetheart to dinner and a Cardinals game with all-inclusive tickets featuring excellent seats, a full buffet, and complimentary bar service. This week only, select games in April and May, available starting at just $55. Get your all-inclusive tickets today at cardinals.com. A quick break, and then we're back with Colton Wong. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Colton Wong joins us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Spring training, I guess not officially started, but you are now a, what, what percentage of the time Jupiter resident? You've been on the field for a while now uh, here at the complex. Yeah, I'd say I'm about a quarter Jupiter resident. You know, I like to come down here in early January, kind of get my feet, uh, you know, settled and, and understand that, you know, I'm here with Jose Ocando, uh, Paul DeYoung early, and we're putting in work. You guys, I was watching you guys in early January, and it seems like you're so cohesive right now, uh, the transition and, and feel for where guys are going to be, and it seems like there's a lot of trust there. That's the biggest thing, I think, for us is, you know, Paul and I understand now that, you know, it's me and him at the middle. And, uh, you know, now we're able to build that chemistry, build that, you know, the cohesiveness, like you said, where, you know, I'm going to know exactly, you know, what his tendencies are and he's going to know exactly what mine's are. This is uh, this has got to be one of the better defensive infields in baseball right now, right? I, I believe so. You know, I think that, you know, from, from a standpoint, you look, you know, adding Goldschmidt, you know, who was a perennial gold glove winner and, you know, you got, you know, Paul and me who, you know, have been doing really well. You know, we've been, we've been working, getting better every single year. And you got Carp who, you know, Carp plays really good third base when he's there, when he's able to play there, you know, consistently. So, you know, you put all four of us in the middle. I mean, it's a good defense that, you know, I think any pitcher would want to pitch in front of. What was it like to line up at, at second base when, when Goldschmidt was up? Oh, man. Um, you know, it was tough because you didn't know where this guy was going to hit the ball. You know, Paul's the kind of hitter where he can spray the field and he can go. You know, he can hit over the fence at any part of the field, too. So, you know, playing at someone like him, you know, you kind of just set up neutral and, you know, try to read pitches and, you know, hopefully you can get a good jump. For you as a guy who's been around for a bit, uh, it seemed like you were swinging the bat with a lot more confidence last year, especially going the other way. Once you had success with that, is that something you're going to work on even more? Because when you were able to do it, the next time we saw you were standing in second base most of the time with a double. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that kind of just came down to the fact that, you know, when, when Schultz kind of came into, you know, running this thing, the first thing he did was call me to his office and, you know, he told me, he's like, I want you to be out there every day and playing every day. And when you got a manager who, who's going to back you up like that and give you that ability to go out there and play free, understand that, you know, he has my back and he knows what kind of player I am and he believes in me. Uh, you know, I think that kind of was a big, you know, moment for me to step up and understand that, you know, I know I'm a good player. I know I can play this level and now I got the manager's, you know, support behind me. You know, it's time to go. How would you describe Mike's managerial style, Colton? What do you appreciate, I guess, most about the way he goes about it with you guys? 
You know, I think Mike's a realist. You look, you know, you talk with him. You know, he's never one to beat around the bush. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna shoot you straight regardless if it's something you want to hear. You don't. And uh, you know, he's also a big fan of every single guy on the team. You know, he's someone who believes in every single guy on the team. He he wants every single guy on the team to succeed. And uh, you know, he puts you in situations where you know he wants you to go up there and believe in yourself. And when you have a manager that gives you that, you know, ability to go up there believing in yourself that you can get the job done, most of the time you're gonna do it. You know, it's interesting. You, you're talking about a guy who communicates well. Even at the big league level, everybody likes to know what lane they're going to be in. And knowing when they get to the ballpark, they're not wondering if they're going to be in the lineup. They're not wondering if they're going to have me hitting here or there. Knowing that situation, communication is still important to you even as a big leaguer? Oh, absolutely. Communication is huge, man, because, you know, at this level, we're all perfectionists. We're all out here trying to do the job the best that we can every single day. So to have an idea with the manager of, you know, what he wants me to do in this situation or, you know, coming to the field, am I going to be playing today? If I'm not, okay, what am I going to be doing, you know, this today? Uh, it just sets you up to, to be more prepared. You know, it's it's one thing going into a game, you know, understand that you're a good athlete, but it's it's another thing, you know, being able to have, you know, a plan and being able to execute that. You know, a lot of guys have talked about the ball talk that he instituted last year and showing up, and it's not this is what you did wrong or – this is how we need to be better at this, but but you're talking about the game. How can something as simple as that, Colton, lead to results? I think because, you know, you're kind of putting it in, in the hands of the players. You know, you're, you, the players understand that, you know, it, or we need to take it upon us to, uh, you know, make the corrections. Um, and that's the thing, too, is like we got so many good guys on this team that when we were doing ball talks, you know, it wasn't like we were calling each other out, but we were pointing out things that p- people could fix, and guys were taking that to heart and, and fixing it. You know, and I think that's where you saw – you know, us make that dramatic change from the first half to the second half is, you know, everybody started realizing that, you know, we take initiative of our actions, go out there and fix the things that we screwed up and understand that we're just going to get better. We learned a couple of things about you last year. A, don't try and slip a fastball by you late in the ball game, especially on the inside part of the plate. But but with that, what's that feeling like, the walk-off? Because you kind of mastered that now. Uh, is it that feeling where you never even feel it going through your body when you swing and make contact like that? You know, it's just one of those things where you try to put yourself in a good situation to get on base. Uh, you know, anytime you're in extra innings, it's never about, you know, trying to just get on base. You're trying to put yourself in a position where one more hit can score you or, you know, get yourself in a position where you can really get, you know, things going. So, you know, for me, when I get into those situations, it's always about bearing down, um, knowing the pitches that I can, you know, execute, you know, the most consistently and trying to lay off the ones that I know I can't. Uh, I'll end with this. I know you are. I know you are your harshest critic. I don't know if there's anyone that could be uh, otherwise. And I know a lot of folks uh, expected or thought you deserved a gold glove last year. Was it a moment of disappointment? Then was it quickly, all right, let's move on and let's get it next year? How would you describe that over the offseason? You know, they only hand out nine of them. So you can't be too hard on yourself. But what was that like, Colton, and how do you think that that helps you this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was definitely a big learning experience for me. I, I, you know, obviously I expected, I thought I won the Gold Glove, but, you know, when you look at the three guys that were in nomination for that award, um, you know, you can't really knock on any of them. You know, DJ is, is one of those guys who he comes every single year and does it, you know, day in and day out. So, you know, I tip my hat to DJ on an amazing year he had last year, but, you know, now these guys know my name. They know who I am as a player, and, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to work. I'm continuing to get better. And, you know, when I found that, I found out that I didn't win it, I kind of just laughed. Uh, I knew that this was just, you know, a stepping stone for me, uh, another progression to uh, become better. And, you know, like I said, you know, they know my name now, so there's no excuses. I think I set the over-under at number of Cardinal gold gloves this year at, at two and a half, and I feel pretty good about the over. I do too, man. I think just, 
you watch the guys coming in and the defense that we have. I mean, you could see the whole middle infield, you know, win a gold glove. You know, from Bader all the way to me to Paul to Yachty to Paul, you know, even Carp. I mean, you know, all we all came in with that different attitude that we're going to be better this year defensively. And, you know, it's starting already. We haven't even started spring training. Guys are out there working. Guys are putting in the work to get better every single day. And when you have that kind of chemistry with everybody that, you know, collectively we want to be the best that we can be, uh, you know, special things are going to happen. Colton, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you guys for having me. The Cardinals Kids Club, presented by Rawlings, is the fan club for kids 13 and under. Membership includes exclusive Cardinals items, two tickets to a 2019 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only party at Bush Stadium, and much more. Visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub to join. A quick break, and then Jason Isringhausen joins us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Great to have Jason Isringhausen on the program with us on the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. Again this year, you can go to cardinals.com slash HOF and cast your vote uh, beginning on March 1st. Izzy, how are you, man? Good. How are you guys? That's the key word again on the ballot. So we got to get we got to get this thing handled one of these years. Yeah, boys. you know what? Yeah, we're working on it, and you know <laughs> you're certainly deserving of of being a Cardinal <laughs> Hall of Famer. But you know, I, I guess for you, being a guy who grew up in the area and watching the Cardinals as a kid, to be mentioned as a nominee for this Hall of Fame has got to be a treat for you. But obviously, being a Hall of Famer is something you're looking forward to. You know, you don't know what it means, like, being from the area and growing up, watching those guys that already have the red coats. Just even being in the same sentence or paragraph as those guys with those red coats is very meaningful. And maybe one day to be up there rubbing elbows with them with those red coats on out there for the beginning of the season, uh, yeah, it means the world to me. It'll happen one year maybe. I don't know when, but, you know, you just keep praying and hoping that it happens. And uh, one day it does, and I get to fulfill a – you know, a childhood dream is to be part of something special, that fraternity as a Cardinals Hall of Famer. Yeah, and what can you say about the organization, Izzy, and even things like Fantasy Camp, when so many of you guys, the alumni and, you know, so many of the Hall of Famers come back and, and share time together, share memories, and, and get back in uniform together. That's got to be something that, even if a lot of clubs do something like that, it's different because of the commitment from guys who have worn that uniform. It's not even so much the ex-players. It's these guys that come to the fantasy camp. You know, once we've always talked about a family atmosphere with the Cardinals organization. And when anybody puts on that jersey with that Cardinals on the bat across their chest, I mean, they become part of the family. And there's guys down there at that fantasy camp that have been going for 20-some years. And they're good friends with the ex-players. And we build relationships with them. We go to hockey games with them. We go to We do all kinds of stuff with these guys. And I brought a whole team down to Florida with me, my softball team and flag football team. And they had the time of their lives, and Al Roboski was with us and telling us stories, and Dave LaPointe was our manager, and man, we had a total blast. And I've tried to tell these guys from day one since I started doing the fantasy camps, you put on that jersey, you become a Cardinal, and you're a Cardinal for life. You're part of the family, and that's it's the players, the Hall of Famers, the fans. I mean, we're it's a big family. It's some kind of atmosphere that I don't think a lot of organizations have, that's for sure. I, I would agree with you, Jason, as we visit with Jason Isringhausen. For you, when you got to St. Louis, who really showed you what it was like to be a Cardinal? Matt Morris was here. Jimmy Edmonds was here. The guys that have been here for a few years. And But the thing of it is, it's like 
the ex-players are, are around a lot, and the Hall of Famers are around a lot. And you just watch these guys go about their business. It's very businesslike, but we always did things the right way, especially on the field. We prided ourselves on on making the guy next to us better, which made everybody better. We didn't have a lot of selfish people. And I came from New York. I came from Oakland. Oakland is kind of a spot where guys go to to play and then go on to bigger and better, you know, contracts and things like that. And New York was just a, I don't know what New York was. It was a blast <laughs> to play there. But, you know, everybody's on their own program there, yeah. you know. And when you get to St. Louis, it's a family. Uh, people want to come to the ballpark. They don't want to leave the ballpark. Back in the day, we used to sit around, you know, have a couple adult beverages and talk about baseball all through the night. And, you know, that, that has changed some because of the policies of baseball and, and in St. Louis. But, you know, it was just talking baseball. And we learned a lot from guys. You know, Tony La Russa was our manager. I mean, you can't learn more from a guy than, than Tony La Russa. I mean, one of the best baseball minds I've ever been around. Changed the game, especially for what I did at the time for a reliever back in the day. And you just learned from all the right people. And you learned how to do things the right way with Okendo being there and Joe Patini. Dave Duncan and Marty Mason. Uh, the list goes on and on. And Whitey was always around. Who else was? Red was always around. Stan was around then. And you sit down and you just listen to their stories about how things were done in St. Louis. And you learn from the right people how to do things the right way. Jason, you know, Mike Schilt, one of the things that, that players now say is that when he became manager last year, he instituted some of what you were just talking about. He calls it ball talk, and they do it before games. And instead of saying we did this wrong yesterday, or this is how we can get better. They just talk about the game. And as you just pointed out, I think that's something that, that maybe fans don't think about or, or take for granted, but you're hearing young players talk about how much they can soak up from guys. You know, I mean, I think that says everything about uh, Schilt and, you know, the way he is a, as a manager, but maybe more importantly as a communicator, because that's really what you have to be at this level, right? I do believe so. I mean, everybody's there for a reason, and talent. You know, we're not short on talent in the major leagues. I don't think any team is. Uh, we talk about team chemistry, and it's what we preach to these kids in the minor leagues. I work with all these kids that have been coming up for the last couple of years, and we're trying to instill them that clubhouse culture of, you know, instead of we're all pulling in the same direction. You know, everybody's grabbing that rope and pulling in the same direction and having accountability and uh, getting the guy next to you. I mean, if you're rooting for the guy next to you, trying to help him to get better, it's just going to make you better in the long run. And getting away from that, the clicks, you know, groups of people talking here, talking there, it's got to be a close-knit group. And Schilt has been with these guys to the minor leagues. He's worked his way up from the bottom. Mo has handpicked him out of a, a group of guys that has been groomed for this job. He's a great communicator, gets the most out of his players. He did great in AAA with the guys that are in the big leagues now. I think guys trust him. He puts guys in the right position to succeed. Jason Isringhausen is our guest. And, Jason, uh, what's your campaign slogan for 2019? <laughs> uh, I, I guess it would be third time's a charm, maybe. There you go. That's a good start. <laughs> it's been used before, but we, we can accept it. Yeah, I mean, good things come in threes. I don't know what to call it. But, you know, just get out there and vote. And, I mean, the six guys that are on the ballot, they're all deserving. I know. If that was me, I mean, I'm biased for myself. If I couldn't vote for myself, I'd vote for Keith and Roland. I mean, two great players, and everybody's deserving on that list. Renteria, Matty Moe, it's just the list goes on and on. This committee that puts these guys together, 
does a great job, and it's just fun to be a part of it and just see how the fans interact and, and talk. And, uh, you know, it's just a great thing that the Cardinals do. We got the museum across the street from the ballpark now. Uh, I'll be there signing autographs, I think, on opening day on the 6th. Different stuff like that. I mean, the Cardinals do a great job with the community, and what they've done with Ballpark Village is amazing. And, you know, Mr. DeWitt and company is are doing things the right way for sure. Jason, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for the time. Again, go to cardinals.com slash HOF. It's the Cardinals Hall of Fame vote presented by Edward Jones opening on March the 1st. We appreciate it, man. We'll see you uh, down here in Jupiter soon. All right, I'm ready to get out of this cold weather and get down there to some sunshine, that's for sure. All right, we'll see you soon. All right, guys, talk to you soon. Head to Cardinals Nation on March 3rd for Mardi Gras Brunch. This $35 brunch includes live music from the Backwater Stompers Band, a mimosa or Bloody Mary, plus free admission to the Cardinals Museum. Reserve your table today at cardinalsnation.com. A quick break, get back to wrap up Hour 1 on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren and the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. The 2019 Cardinals official calendar spotlighting the signature artwork of the club photographers with a special salute to Unbreakable Cardinals Records is on sale now for just $10. Available only at 314-345-9000. Let's give one away right now. Caller 3 at 314-531-1120. Coming up in our second hour of the program, we're going to kick things off with Kyle McClellan. We'll get his perspective on getting out onto the field in an official capacity for the first time. Also, speaking of... Alex Reyes threw his first official bullpen of the spring. We'll visit with the Cardinals right-hander and top prospect. We'll sit down with Andrew Miller and talk some tickets with Dan Farrell. That's all coming up in a big second hour here from Jupiter, Florida. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. Ben Boyd, our executive producer. Sam Masterson producing in Jupiter as well. Mike Anderson back in the studio. And we're back with Hour 2 of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. All right, back to the field. Bases loaded. The pitch for Yanni. Here it comes. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. Swings and hits it deep. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. It's a grand slam. Oh, a grand slam home run for Yadier Molina. He touches the ball. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Hour two of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne with you on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network as we have another hour of baseball talk from Jupiter, Florida, and Cardinals spring training as we approach uh, the first full squad report and workouts this weekend. Kyle, uh, what are these couple of days like as guys continue to filter in? You're starting to get some work done, but uh, still not officially everybody on the field at the same time. Yeah, you're all trying to kind of get in your rhythm, get in your pace, uh, you know, getting your work in from the pitching side. A couple bullpens here. You know, a lot of the guys that uh, that have experience that know they're going to be on the roster, they're, they're just uh, maybe throwing maybe their first or second bullpen. Uh, they're going to take it easy here. But uh, you want to come in, make sure you're staying healthy. And, you know, it's always great when you walk in that first day, you have that first meeting, uh, you just you just know baseball is underway and you get to be back around your teammates and and kind of catch up with the few months that you guys have been away from each other. When you talk about throwing a bullpen, give our listeners an idea of what that means. How many pitches are you throwing? Are you throwing anything in particular or are you just stretching it out? 
Yeah, so typically as, as a starter, you're going to throw right around 40 pitches. As a reliever, around 25. And for me, as the years went on, and I knew I had a spot on there, I might come in the first time and throw majority fastballs. And it's it's funny how every time you throw, you can see big differences just in one bullpen to the next. And really what you're trying to do is get that fastball down in the zone. You're not ready for games yet. You don't want to be ready for games yet. You still have plenty of time for that. But each time you get on the mound, you have to have a purpose. And for me, it was always, let's get command of my fastball, especially that fastball away because everything is based off of that. Let's throw a few of the breaking balls in there. You know, the changeup's going to be your last pitch that comes because it's such a field pitch. But what I really want to see is that fastball go from belt high to maybe thigh high to, you know, maybe a little above the knee to then finally when I'm ready to go before I get in a game, being able to lock in below the knee. And each time you go, you can see significant differences. So between 25 and 40 pitches is what you're trying to do. Yeah, and as a reliever, you know, you might only get – 25 maybe 30 everybody's different a lot of times they'll, they'll kind of lean on you and say hey what do you what do you like to do guys that have experience you know a minor league kid that's in his first big league camp he's going to do what they what they tell him to do and typically you're going to have 25 pitches for relievers so it goes quick you know and and that's the thing at this level that's a lot different than the minor leagues is you know I had a kid um, that is a good friend of mine over with the Marlins last year and he, he called me after his first major league bullpen. He goes, man, I just felt like I threw a complete game and I only threw 40 pitches. And it's because every pitch you throw has got to have a meaning. You have got to walk into that bullpen and say, this is what I want to work on. This is how I'm going to improve. And, and when I'm done with this, I want to achieve, you know, this, this type of thing. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you say it in that regard, because I think this year in spring training, every pitch is going to count because of the competition mm -hmm. that we have with all the pitchers. So with that said, um, you got to find that middle ground where you don't overthink this, right? Especially if you're a young guy who's try a trying to make the team, or if you're a guy like Mike Myers or John Gant who's out of options, mm -hmm. you're not only pitching for the Cardinals, you're pitching for your future, perhaps with another team. Yeah, and, and really for me, Dakota Hudson's somebody I'm really paying attention to because this is a guy that can be a starter, but obviously has a, a very big role in the bullpen as well. So he's trying to figure out, you know, where do I come in at? Where, what am I going to do? So you're trying to impress. And let's be honest, when you come in, they generally know, have a pretty good idea of what they're looking for. A lot of these guys aren't going to be able to drastically change the mind of the coaching staff. But there's always opportunity to go in there. There's going to be an injury at some point. You know, you never know what's going to happen to where you can sneak in. And so you have to put yourself in that situation that if something does come up, you're ready to go. And that comes down to those small details. They want to know that guys are doing all the little things and preparing themselves every time. And right now they're just building, you know, they're building to get ready for the first game. And even at that point, that's still a building process. Um, but right now they're just trying to get themselves ready for that first game so they can go out there and be throwing strikes by the time they're at, at game one. And, and uh, you know, their, their off speed stuff doesn't have to be sharp and nasty, all that right away. They just want to be throwing strikes, repeating their mechanics. Cal McClellan is with us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren at Spring Training in Jupiter. We'll have Alex Reyes with us in our next segment, Kyle. He threw a bullpen today. He was medically cleared to be on schedule with the rest of the pitchers. He'll have a bit of an individualized program, but I'm wondering from your standpoint, regardless of how well things go this spring, how good he feels uh, we saw last year the dominant minor league rehab and then the labrum issue. Is there any reason to consider having him anywhere other than Memphis at the beginning of the year when you can control his workload, control his innings? And, and also control his arbitration eligibility. Well, not even that, but but 
this is a long-term investment, right? This isn't a sprint for this year. I mean, how vital are maybe the next three, four, five months for Reyes, not to sound over dramatic, but maybe for his long-term future? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch how they handle that because he's got so much opportunity and he's going to be somebody he's like the shiny new car right i mean mm-hmm. he's 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 back he's healthy and man you are going to want but it's to drive a car you that got car. to drive you for are, a couple months a few are, years ago yeah and and you want to drive it because it is a very nice car and it has potential to be he has the potential to be without a doubt a number number one uh, in in the rotation but the reality of him if he starts on day one not opening day starter, but if he's if he's on the team as a starter, come opening day, uh, and then gets through the whole season, it's very unrealistic to expect this kid to go out there and throw 200 innings and then go through a playoff. So you're gonna have to be creative in how you limit that. And I don't know what that looks like. I, and I think a lot of it has to do with how everybody else kind of falls in place. Is it a, a situation where he goes down to Memphis and and you can kind of take it easy with him, give him some two or three inning outings? at that point and then bring him up in May or June. Look, I, it might make the most sense. I just, from the player side, I hate that. Oh, you sure. know, like I, I don't, however, nobody wants to hear that. However, how about from another player's side, the fact that if you put him in the bullpen, potentially guys, you have two guys who I think will have a very good chance to be on the 25 man roster who are, out of, who are out of options, right-handers in, uh, I don't Gant- think you keep them both. I don't think you keep both of them. Well, is that a reason to maybe, or is that a little more incentive maybe to start Reyes in the minors? Because of question. some of the roster crunch and yeah, I mean, just look, when, the depth that you have. When you're there. out of options, it, it always it can be a good thing. I mean, you want to get rid of those options as quick as possible as a player because so then they have Gant, to make a decision. So Myers, and then Chase and Shreve from the left side. So you, you got to – here's the thing. they got to have good springs because you're, you're vulnerable. But if you're somebody that, as a player, that says – hey, I'm betting on myself that I'm going to be able to make this team and the team doesn't want to lose you, you know, it, it's uh, it's not a bad position to be in because sometimes it can help you stay on the roster. But with Reyes, you know, is it – I think long-term they don't see him as a reliever, and I think there's, no. there's going to be some fear of putting him in the bullpen because they see him as a starter. So, you know, well, if, you, if you delay it another year, he's already missed two years of injury, you know, how far down the road are you before you can switch him back to that starter? And, and you made the point too, Kyle – what is a realistic workload this year? You know, the front office has, has said the goal is, sure, we want him to be a contributor this year, but the goal is to have him with no limitations, 200 innings, full-time starter next season. Correct. So how do you build to that? And if you're in the bullpen and you're getting 70 or 80 innings and, it, and it's sporadic, how likely is, is that you'd be able to build up? Well, that, I think that's gonna hinder, that would hinder him for next year even a little bit. You know, he's still not – I mean, 70 or 80 innings is a lot different than 200 innings. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's going to be a variation of that in, in how they how they put that together. It's going to be something interesting to watch, see how healthy he is. You know, it's been a while since he's been out there competing uh, against competition consistently. I mean, you know, we got him back for just a second, you know, last year. And um, – you know, it's going to take him a little while to adjust as well. I remember when I came back from injury, it, it just game situations and things like that you haven't been in in two years. It, it takes you a little while to kind of get back in the groove of things and know, you know, how to pitch out of situations. Let me run this by you. We're in spring training, and pitchers are trying to refine their stuff. Um, does it make a difference who's in the batter's box? Because I'm of the belief that some guys need to face good hitters to see what kind of swing they're getting. 
then there's some of them tell you, I'm just working on my stuff because my stuff's going to be better than them hitting it. So what, what's the what's the best approach, especially for a guy who probably wants to face good hitters to see just where he's at compared to facing a guy in the eighth inning who's wearing 97? So are you talking about during games? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's a when, when you come out as an established major league guy and you look out and you're like, I got some minor league guys, I, I don't think it challenges you as, as much. But you got to rely on the fact that you know how to go about your business and still get your work in. I think it's always going to be for a, a young player that's trying to prove themselves and, like you said, see their stuff. I wanted to see the I wanted to see the major league guys. I didn't want to see a minor league guy because right. I'll tell you what, those minor league guys are a lot harder to get Free out. Free swingers, those major yeah. Guys. Free swingers. They have no plan. Yeah, they got you no can't idea. set them up. Yeah. They're just up there and they know it's going to be around the strike zone and they're swinging. And so it's harder to go about it that way than actually facing a guy maybe you have some history with, you know a little bit about him, he knows a little bit about you, and you can actually um, kind of roll out a game plan against them there in spring training. All right, final thing, and just kind of agree or disagree, Klebs and I talked about this in our first segment, I think you can make the argument right now that of the entire pitching staff and all of the pitchers in camp, there are only two who I think their names are written in pen right now in a role. And that is Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty are in the rotation. Everyone else, whether or not you're on the team, Andrew Miller, don't know his role, variety of roles. What about Waka? Uh, what, what, if, what if he doesn't get through spring? Well, I mean, what Do if, you put what him if in none p- of them get through spring? <laughs> okay, I, I think that Flaherty and Michaelis are the only ones that don't have questions about role or potentially physical limitations. Okay. You think that's fair? And for some guys, that's a good thing. It's good that Andrew Miller doesn't necessarily have a role because he can do a ton of stuff. Jordan Hicks doesn't necessarily have a role. Mm-hmm. He can do a ton of stuff. Michael Walk ended the season on the disabled list. Mm-hmm. Carlos Martinez ended his closer. Adam Wainwright came back and then re-signed. I mean, there are a ton of guys that can do a ton of different things. That Last season, a lot of guys had a bunch of different roles. I would agree with that. I would say those are your two for sures. And, and we actually did an interview yesterday on X and, and I said, you know, the, the one thing – that I'm looking for the most in spring training is the rotation. And no matter how they do it, it's going to be a very quality rotation. They have a ton of options, of very good options. It's just a matter of, of who's going to be where. And and I'm of the belief that, you know, that closer's role, I think Carlos Martinez might be the leading candidate for that role right now because – He's got a variety of pitches. Well, play. and I think he's – the way he pitched in that role last year, I think that might be his sweet spot. I mean, it might be something that he thrives at coming to the park every day, knowing he has an opportunity to pitch in those high leverage situations. And there's nobody I, other than Jaime Garcia that I can think of that in, in the last 10 or 15 years of watching Cardinal baseball very closely that can get out of a jam. Carlos Martinez and Jaime Garcia are by far the best that, that I've seen in the last, in the last decade at doing that. So you want to have that kind of guy, in that in that role in the ninth inning that if he gets in trouble can get out of it but the starting rotation is going to be definitely something to watch if i'm his agent i'm telling him you're only 27 years old look at the money around baseball if he was an all-star closer for the next three years of his contract oh my goodness well if he was an all-star starter it would be yes (laughs) but but what's been the issue yeah health and consistency no i i think there's going to be a look at andrew miller he was a the top prospect in all of baseball as a starter was the centerpiece of the Miguel Cabrera trade, and then, you know, gets moved to Boston, goes to the bullpen, and he even said yesterday, or he even said in hour one, Klebs can make a lot of money doing yeah. that. Yeah, and, and and I'm not relegating Carlos to the bullpen by any means, no, no, no. but 
I think you're right, especially with the depth it's that an option. they have. It's an option. And it would be a weapon. He's he has to buy into it though. That's the thing. He has to he has to be in on it. I just think Then you're talking like Kansas City Royals 2014 yeah. Davis Herrera uh Holland. If Miller's healthy, yes. I mean that that's that certainly is going to be a, a, a one of the best back ends in the game, but but for Carlos, you know, in the rotation, he I mean, you look at uh, his last couple years he hasn't pitched like an ace. So he's been kind of that number three starter in the rotation. You know, you have Michaelis last year, Flaherty last year. You have Waka before the injury was doing, you know, pitching so well. And uh, Martinez had a stretch there last year where he was unbelievable. Beginning of the year, yeah. But but he can he can he can go into that ninth inning and be a shutdown guy in that ninth inning. It's just it's just a matter of if you have the other five to fill that rotation. Um, to be able to get the ball to him in the ninth. Kyle McClellan joining us on Cardinals Countdown Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Appreciate it, man. All right. Good to be back with you guys. And what are you doing for Mardi Gras? Head to Cardinals Nation March 3rd for the Mardi Gras Brunch, a $35 brunch that includes live music from the Backwater Stompers Band, a mimosa or Bloody Mary plus free admission to the Cardinals Museum. Head to cardinalsnation.com and Reserve your table today. Just talked about Alex Reyes with Kyle. Alex Reyes joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Alex Reyes joins us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, as we are off and running in Jupiter, Florida. It's great to see you, man. How are you feeling? I know thrown a couple of days ago. What's going on? I'm excited, man. Uh, this spring and, and, you know, hopefully being able to get into games during the spring, I'm extremely excited to go out there and show everyone I'm healthy. What's your plan now? I mean, are you on a throwing program as part of the rehab? What have they told you on what they want you to do, especially early in camp? Um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, you know, I'm going to be looked at as a regular, as a regular pitcher and, uh, I, like my program might be pushed back, not a lot, but just a little bit in the sense of facing hitters, but, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I was told that I should be able to pitch in games during this spring, so that's what I'm looking forward to. As frustrating as it was last year to, I'm sure, come back and I'll ask you, you had an incredible run in the minors on your rehab. Was there part of you that, that wanted to keep trying to push through? And then what did you learn about shutting it down and even if you had to go through another rehab process, that getting you to where you are right now? Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when you go out there and you're consistently having success, you just, you know, you want to get better and you you want to continue to push through whatever it is you're dealing with. And at that stage, in my eyes, I, I you know, it was the opportunity I was given and I didn't want to pass it up. Uh, and that was probably the reason I, I I didn't say anything to anyone. But um, you know, after going through that surgery and learning about yourself, you 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 just have to understand your body more and, and understand like you know, being patient for an extra month would have been a lot better than having to go through another surgery for a full year. So um, it's more of just understanding your body and understanding what, what's a, a small injury or, or a small, you know, little soreness instead of a big injury. I guess that's the thing. When you're coming back after something like Tommy John, you haven't pitched in a while, you have to relearn what's normal sore or what's tired after a start versus something that maybe you need to go to the training staff about because – you haven't felt that in a long time through rehab, right? Yeah, I mean, 100%. You know, you 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 feel different soreness. Every everyone does. I mean, if a pitcher tells you he's not sore during the year, I'm sure he's probably keeping it from you. But uh, 
you know, you go through things and you just have to learn and understand what's what's a major and what's not. For you, um, you had a different workout rehab program. It wasn't up here at Jupiter. You were in what, Fort Lauderdale. What did you learn about yourself and certainly the rehab that makes you feel like you're going to be a better pitcher now? Um, just uh, the self-motivation, and I felt like I needed that. You know, um, you get around the organization and automatically your adrenaline goes up and, and you know, you push yourself in different ways. But uh, being able to work out away from the camp, you know, it was more of a self-motivation and understanding that, you know, you got to get this job done and, and nobody's going to do it. Standing, nobody's standing around monitoring you. You have to go do it on your own. Yeah, I mean, I had a trainer there, but it's it's pretty much what you said. It's you know, you, you go out there and you have to do it on your own, and there's no one there to push you if it if it isn't yourself. I know that one silver lining coming out of the TJ rehab was scary for others. You found another pitch. I know we've talked about this before, but how did that come about? Kind of developing that slider, and how much were you able to take away from rehab, baseball wise, even when you couldn't pitch? Um, just understanding my delivery, I feel like I was uh, at a stage where I was consistent. You know, I wasn't walking as much guys as I have in my career before, and it was more of just uh, having that confidence and consistent delivery. And my slider was a big pitch that helped me throughout those games. Uh, I was able to, you know, get ahead in the count and throw behind in the count whenever I needed it for a strike. And I'm excited to, to show it this spring, and, and I haven't started throwing it yet, but I will in the, in the next few weeks. I don't. I know there's a bunch of guys who probably won't be excited about seeing that slider, but that's a good thing for you. Uh, what do you want? You know, there's a lot of guys that are going to try and make this ball club in the rotation. What's your mindset? Because we've never seen this many guys who have pitched in the big leagues that are vying for spots in the rotation. Is there anything you can learn from Memphis at this point? Because I think you're here and you're here to stay. So what? how do you approach going into a spring training with such talent? Um. You know, you understand it. You know, you, you there's guys in that clubhouse who could pitch on, on multiple big league rosters, and, you know, that's that's a good or, uh, problem for the organization to have. Um, for us as players, it's more of, you know, just get to work, and whatever the, the organization decides, it, it, it is what it is. And if I'm in Memphis, of course, there's there's always stuff to learn in baseball. Baseball is a, it's an ongoing thing, man. You learn stuff every day, and just being down there and, and getting, I wouldn't say repetitions, but going out there and pitching, consistently is something that, you know, I'm sure they're looking forward to, and, and I'm extremely excited to do it. What do you think it means for young guys, Alex, to see, well, and when you were going through rehab for the first time, uh, now after last year, to see guys like Wayno and what he fought for last year and the way he rehabbed to come back, despite the fact that he's accomplished so much in his big league career. Now young guys at CU, what does that mean for pitchers especially, to have older guys who have gone through it setting an example? Um, it means a lot, and Wino's one of those guys where he, you know, he shows it to you, and and you see his hard work, and you see how much he's he's grown over over the past few years where I've met him, um, and and just him being so open with us as young players, you know, like we we're young players who who are coming to take someone else's job, and them they just be they're just being so open with us. It's it's awesome to, to get that feeling. All right, I'll ask you this to wrap up because we've been talking to some of the other guys about grips and, and about pitches. I know you like your stuff and your arsenal, but let's say you could you could have, or let's say you're giving to a pitcher, creating them on MLB The Show. You're giving him three pitches from anyone, excluding yourself. Whose stuff would you pick? What three pitches from any three pitchers? I could split up the stuff. Oh, yeah. I'd have to go with... Uh, Hicks two-seamer, his sinker. That's 
unfair. I don't know how that's allowed to be called a sinker. 102. Then I'd probably go with uh, Chris Sell slider. And uh, a mixture, uh, actually. So he's an he's ambidextrous. He's going righty lefty. You 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 giving you whatever you want, whatever you want, pro. Chris Sell slider and probably um, Carlos Martinez's changeup. It's a pretty good trio. I'm calling in sick that day. I, there's no way I'm stepping in the batter's box against any of those guys. Alex Reyes, man, uh, it's great to see you. I know fans can't wait to see you out in the mound. I appreciate the time, brother. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Don't strike out with your Valentine this year. Treat your sweetheart to dinner and a Cardinals game with all-inclusive tickets featuring excellent seats, a full buffet, and complimentary bar service. This week only, select games in April and May are available starting at just $55. Get your all-inclusive tickets today at cardinals.com. I wonder how many times Alex Reyes will potentially hand the ball over to Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on the Cardinals Radio Network in Jupiter, and it's great to have new Cardinal Andrew Miller with us on our first program from spring training. Thanks, man. What's going on? Not a whole lot. Just trying to, you know... Remember some names and, you know, meet everybody around here and really just settle in. But uh, so far, so good. It's pretty incredible the number of guys, and I'm sure this is very common around the big leagues, but guys that are already here, guys that are already working, it, it looks almost like a full camp other than some guys are still in T-shirts and shorts and we don't have the spreadsheet of the schedule yet. Yeah, I think it's a good sign. I think it shows that guys care and, you know, they're, they're ready to work and that's what you want to be a part of. And, you know, certainly, you know, we've got a, a lofty goal to try and reach and, you know, it's a, a good place to start. You know, with you coming over to St. Louis, you bring something that we don't see a great deal. You've had great success as a, as a guy who can finish off a game, but the two-inning thing is what we certainly remember you for. Do you see more teams maybe looking to go in that direction because you certainly set the gold standard for how that works? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think the, the game does seem to be going that way. We'll see how successful it is for everybody, and, uh, you know, you can certainly probably start training guys in the minor leagues and, you know, as they come in as younger players, especially to, to be prepared to handle that load. So it'll be a lot of fun. I think, uh, you know, we, we've seen guys like Batances do it and, you know, he's obviously a special pitcher. Maybe not everybody else can do it, but it'd certainly be something that would help the manager out. I also think that we're seeing maybe teams shift away from defined roles. You might have a closer, but, you know, it's not a sixth inning guy, seventh inning guy, eighth inning guy anymore. It's a lot of spots and versatility is a word, but, but also sometimes you've been used in a variety of situations. It might be the sixth or seventh inning, no outs runners on second and third. Are you seeing more guys willing to be flexible even as perhaps creatures of habit coming up through the minors? Yeah, I think everybody wants a Mariano or a, a Kimbrel or something, but at the same time, you know, I think as players, you know, we, we obviously, you know, we want to do well and, you know, we want to be rewarded for it. And it's certainly, you know, the fact that, that teams are willing to, you know, maybe pay guys to, to pitch, not necessarily just in the ninth inning, and you can have success and have a great career is maybe a little bit more appetizing for guys and make them more willing to accept that role. So, you know, ultimately I think guys just want to do well and, and you know, succeed at this level, and that's hard enough. So wherever you can fit in, you know, you should be happy to do it. I know you said earlier that coming to St. Louis, you want to get get back in a World Series. What did you come away from when you were part of a World Series team that you feel like you can bring back to St. Louis? 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully I can you know add bits and pieces here and there, but ultimately I think teams that win the World Series certainly have talent and, and catch breaks and all that stuff. But you know ultimately it's a team that you know gets along and has a good time together. And you know I, I think that uh, you know you, you can't fake that. You know you got to hope everybody you know comes together, and you know, hopefully I can be a part of that. But you know ultimately it's it's more than just what you're capable of on the field. We got to spend a lot of time together, and you know certainly if we mesh as a unit, that'll go a long ways. You've been in Boston, New York, but I imagine that atmosphere in Cleveland, uh, not only playing against the Cubs, two franchises uh, that were starving for, for championships, but the drought that, that Cleveland was in, what the Cavs were doing in that time, that must have been crazy to be a part of, of that city in that series. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I wish it had turned out a little bit differently, but you know, ultimately you know, the, the goal is to get there, and, and you know, I, I can't wait to get back and, and try to finish it off. But you know, it was an incredible experience for me and, and the rest of the guys on that team. And, you know, the, the way we came together is something I'll never forget. And, you know, it was an experience I'll never forget. You know, you had some injuries over the last couple of years. What's it like to come into a spring training and not be part of a rehab or anything along that line where your body's feeling good? Yeah, I do feel good. And I'm excited. I, I feel like I've got something to prove. I, I didn't pitch in my expectations last year. And, you know, certainly I want to go out there and show that, you know, I'm still the guy that I was in the past, and I think that's what the Cardinals are expecting of me, so it's up to me to go out and do that. Do you know anything about Mike Maddox, your pitching coach, Andrew? Uh, a little bit. You know, certainly, you know, I, I've, I've seen him around for years. He's, you know, been a pitching coach in this league and a very well-respected one for a long time, so I'm looking forward to work with him. Obviously, you know, we all know his brother, but, uh, you know, I've had a couple conversations with him on the phone. I've talked to guys that are that have been here, and I can't wait to work with him. Final question for me. When you work with a new pitching coach, what do you try and do? You're trying to look at making sure your mechanics are right because you've been at this long enough where you know your body, you know what you're doing better than anyone, but what do you try and draw from a pitching coach who maybe hasn't had his eyes on you as much as he has some other guys? Yeah, I think I just want to build a relationship with him and so that, you know, he knows, you know, maybe what I'm looking for and I'm trying to give him the information that he's looking for so that, you know, when things aren't going the way we want them to, we can make that adjustment quicker. And that's the goal. That's what his job is, is to, to you know be a, a resource for me that if I am searching for something that he can help me find a little bit quicker. So, you know, part of that's just a process. We got to get to know each other and work together and, and be around each other. And spring training ought to be, you know, more than enough for that. You know, you mentioned Mariano Rivera and he talks about finding that cutter and all of a sudden everything clicked. When you made your transition to the bullpen and really started having incredible success there in Boston. Was there one thing that clicked? Was there advice that you took with you? Uh, was there anything as you look back on it now that you think helped you make that transition and become, you know, the all-star caliber reliever that you are right now? I think, uh, you know, it certainly wasn't one thing. It was, you know, probably, you know, millions of little things that came together and I was fortunate to have good people around me. Uh, you know, for me, getting a chance to pitch out of the bullpen wasn't, you know, maybe the most exciting, you know, proposition, but at the same time, it was a chance for me to get to work every day. I I got off the mound almost every day to, to warm up to go into a game, and, and I think that I certainly felt like I was going in the right direction and starting to, you know, really kind of figure things out and find my way as a major league pitcher. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I think I ended up just in a, with a good group of guys, a good bullpen coach, a good pitching coach, and, and things kind of just snowballed from there. So I know you're happy with your arsenal, but speaking of that cutter, if you were picking three pitches from guys that you've seen or players in the past that you were going to arm a closer with, what would they be? 
Oh man, if you three pitches, that would be unfair because some of the best guys are doing. Okay, it. yeah. You know, if you give me Chap- okay, let's say you're a starter. Give me Chapman's fastball and uh, you know Kimbrel's slider and uh, you know and then, yeah or you know Britton Sinker or something like that. You know it wouldn't be fair. Those guys are already unfair as it is, and it's been a lot of fun. I've I've been able to play with some of these guys and, and watch them firsthand, and uh, you know there's some special arms out there, and you know I, I'm gonna get to see a few of them here. I can't wait to see Hicks throw the ball and. You know, it, these guys, you know, what they can do with the baseball is pretty incredible now. Yeah, Miller to Batances to Chapman, that wasn't that wasn't too bad. Andrew, we appreciate it, man. Welcome to St. Louis and to Jupiter, and thanks for joining us on the Cardinals Radio Network. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. The Cardinals Kids Club, presented by Rawlings, is the fan club for kids 13 and under. Membership includes exclusive Cardinals items, two tickets to a 2019 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only party at Bush Stadium, and much more. Visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub to join back in a moment we'll chat with dan farrell on cardinals countdown to opening day presented by amaran and the st louis cardinals or radio network now back to the countdown to opening day show with mike claiborne and chris raby on kmox welcome back to cardinals countdown to opening day presented by amaran alongside mike claiborne i'm chris raby in jupiter florida in our south florida studios and it's great to have dan farrell the Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing for the Cardinals with us. I know Dan and his staff were very, very busy yesterday. Dan, how are you, man? Great, Chris. Good to be with you guys. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about uh, a big deal that took place yesterday with ticket sales. The flash sale was not just a success. It was an incredible success. During the course of the 12 hours, we sold a total of 160,000 tickets. It was more than we did last year. Last year, the first time we had conducted this flash sale, we did uh, 130,000 tickets, and we had actually anticipated doing 25 to 30,000 total. So, the demand last year really uh, uh, caught us by surprise. Uh, but it was the kind of event that we thought was really valuable to bring back for our fans. And one of the big reasons for that is that. You know, this is a, a very affordable ticket, a $5 ticket. It comes with $5 worth of uh, cards cash, which can be redeemed for a food or beverage item in the ballpark. It's essentially a, a free ticket in some respects. But one of the things our research showed was they, uh, almost half the people that make that purchase, that's the only purchase uh, uh, of the year. So, you know, we feel like we're introducing uh, new fans to the ballpark experience. Uh, we feel like it's a great family opportunity for people to uh, you know, put a date on the calendar and, and look forward to coming down to the ballpark at, at a you know, very affordable price point. And, it, you know, for us, we really believe in filling up the ballpark. We think the more people that come experience Cardinal games are going to come back at some other point in time. What are some of the other new fan attractions that you have in the ballpark? You know, it, the game obviously is what people come to. But when you think of the Budweiser Terrace and some of the other things that you guys have involved uh, with fans over the last few years, what can we look forward to this season? The, the biggest investment we're making over over the off season, which everybody will see, but no one's going to necessarily uh, experience it, is uh, new lighting. Uh, they've replaced all the all the uh, field lights with uh, new LED. Uh, type of bulb that apparently is better, brighter, and more effective and efficient. You'll see it, but I don't know that it's going to make much of a difference, although they do turn on and off at a flip of a switch, which is different from the old 
lights to warm them up a little bit. Yeah. The other thing too is um, we've built some new suites. That's one of the big uh, focal points for for this off season, and uh, upgraded uh, to uh, six of our suites to what we're calling a premium party suite. And fans can look on the website on our all inclusive area and just check out the premium party suites. There's some visuals there. And they're really upscale. There's a bar inside. You've got your own bartender. Uh, there's going to be a much more uh, premium menu attached to the all-inclusive service there. So uh, the premium suites are, are one of the new bigger investments that we're making and um, basically a new product to add to our all-inclusive list of uh, options for fans. And then uh, another big uh, construction project that's going on is we're – creating a new uh, Budweiser and burger stand, which is going to be part of the Budweiser Terrace. So there'll be signature, you know, very specialty burgers uh, served along with uh, uh, cold Budweiser's, and it's going to be a, a real eye-opening stand that you'll see right at the entrance to the Budweiser Terrace. Well, head to cardinals.com right now, cardinals.com. That's where you can get your tickets. Of course, opening weekend against the Padres. Uh, still the packs, the all-inclusive tickets, the theme tickets. Dan, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the time, and congrats on a heck of a day yesterday. Yeah, well, thanks very much, guys. And we just want to you know, remind fans that all games are on sale now, even the premium games, opening day, the Cubs weekend. Uh, one of the, the weekend that's really, really selling well is that Angels weekend when uh, the fans are looking forward to welcoming back Albert Pujols for his first first time back to Bush Stadium since 2011. Dan, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. All right, let's give away some tickets right now. Six ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2019 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament, March 7th through the 10th. For more information on the Missouri Valley Conference games, visit archmadness.com. Back in a moment, we will wrap up our first Jupiter edition of Cardinals Countdown Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Hey, the Cardinals 2019 official calendar spotlights the great work of the team, photographers, and a special salute to Unbreakable Cardinals Records. It's on sale now for just 10 bucks, and it's available only at 314-345-9000, but we will give one away. That's right, right now, caller 3 at 314-531-1120. A big thank you to all of our guests tonight. Thank you to Mike Schilt. Colton Wong, Jason Isringhausen, Alex Reyes, Andrew Miller, also Kyle McClellan, and Dan Farrell. A big thanks to our executive producer, Ben Boyd, Sam Masterson here in Jupiter helping us out as well, and Mike Anderson back in our network studios. Thanks also to Ann Carroll from the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. For Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. We'll be back next week with another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren from spring training in Jupiter right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 